The title, as you see here, is The Relevance of Christ's Two-Dimensional Sanctuary Ministry After 1844. It's a pleasure for me to share this. Uh, it, uh, the relevance of this two-dimensional sanctuary ministry occurred to me in Glacier View. I was in Glacier View there with uh, uh, Michael Hazel's father, Gerhard Hazel, and we uh, had many sessions there. And of course, you know that controversy with uh, Dr. Ford, and it was a very strong controversy. Uh, you know, Dr. Ford at the time didn't see too much relevance of the sanctuary message. And so his uh, 1,000 page document that he produced under the supervision of a number of us, uh, you know, stated clearly the exegetical impossibilities of that interpretation. And of course, you know, if you believe that justification is everything you need, what use is there for the sanctuary? In some way, he could not connect righteousness by faith with the sanctuary. And uh, he still hasn't changed, unfortunately. And uh, there he is, you know. Uh, I spent, together with, uh, again, Geert Hazel and a number of uh, scholars, we spent a year nearly with Dr. Ford, Every time he wrote a few chapters for his book, then we had the opportunity to evaluate this and came to a reply and whatever. And actually, you know, there were two individuals that faithfully complied and responded to Dr. Ford every month, every month. And that was your dad and myself. I was pastoring then in the uh, Washington DC area and he went carefully through this and replied and replied and every time he says, yes, I appreciate very much. I will take those things into the consideration. And the book came out. Yes, he had carefully attended the remarks that we made and tried to find ways to defeat them instead of incorporating them. And so that was our experience with Dr. Ford. And a number of our own theologians came with the question, what difference does it make? You know, if we know the ge geography of heaven, Christ's ministry, what difference does it make? And many said, totally doesn't make any difference. You're justified, we have righteous by faith and whatever. What more do we need? And so uh, <clears throat> I have reflected much on this and have incorporated this in my classes. And this presentation that you see is a part of that book that I wrote, uh, you know, in regard to our foundations. And it realized to me that this is 
Very, very crucial, yes. It was actually one of the most controversial lectures that I gave in my class. Because people had felt very uncomfortable with this aspect. However, the good news is that after the lectures, they said we can praise the Lord. We feel very comfortable. We are not anymore anxious. And now we see how beautiful it is. And I hope that that will be your experience also. And so that is then why I thought that it's good to talk about the relevance, because what I will present this morning is still unpopular with many Adventists, and it is the last thing they would like to share in Bible studies. Actually, they wouldn't even share it. But I always have done it, and, uh, and with good results, praise the Lord. And so this shows you then something about the character of God, that he doesn't want to have us to be in ignorance, but that we are fully prepared for what is coming. And if you know all the facts there, and you know how to prepare and what to do, there will be no fear. No fear at all. <clears throat> and so, keep in mind that our mission and message is rooted in the first angel's message. And God used a farmer in the book Early Writings. And if you have read the last part of the book Early Writings, which is really Spiritual Gift, Volume 1, there, in the chapter of William Miller, it states that God, in the time when actually Protestantism went down, and there was a great apostasy, the beautiful teachings of the Reformers had slighted and were downhill. When William Miller looked around, Ellen White says he saw that the churches were corrupt, world-loving, and God could not do anything with them. At that time, Jesus started to intervene in the course of human history with signs in sun, moon, and stars, and the earthquake. Remember, I mean, last week we studied the seals, and how many of us still believe those seals, but those seals had a specific significance. It rose the interest of God's true people, and they started to study. At the end of the 18th century, what was finished? The 1260 days, three and a half years, the 42 months, 1798. And when that was accomplished. There was a, quite a revival among God's people. And he said, now we know that the year day principle worked. Then the attention shifted from Daniel chapter 7 to Daniel chapter 8. It's a natural progression. And why did the attention shift? Because we know now the fulfillment of the 1260, 
But there's here this mysterious number, 2300 days, which according to the year day principle is 2300 years. What is the cleansing of the sanctuary? What is the little horn? What is the sanctuary and what is it cleansing? And so here you get a whole revival, not only here in the United States, but throughout Christendom. Beautiful. And that was really the launching of the first angel's message. Because the first angel's message at the everlasting gospel, then the call to repentance, fear God, give glory to him. But the next one, what does it say? The hour of his judgment is come. And so William Miller then focused on this, combined it with Daniel, you know, this is Revelation, and combined it with Daniel's 8, the cleansing of the sanctuary. Okay, there it is. So William Miller proclaimed it in a true way because the judgment was to be future. The Irish judgment did not start prior to 1844. It started with 1844. William Miller was mistaken on the nature of that judgment. The nature of the judgment was not the, the disappearing of the earth in the fiery flames of judgment. No. But that is what he proclaimed. So after the disappointment we discussed, we discovered the right understanding. <clears throat> so this was the first angel's message that was launched by William Miller. <clears throat> Go tell it to the world. Only a few years are left. And here you see the chart. You know, if you are after this session, you can come here, and this is the famous 1843 chart, and see how many numbers you can explain. And if you don't pass this test, you have your homework. You have your homework. Because, you see, those are critical things. Very, very important. You know, this is the great revival that came as a result of the angel that came down, Jesus Christ, in Revelation 10. His foot was on the land and on the sea, indicating the worldwide effect of this angel. And, of course, many people were caught by it and were preparing itself. But many more did not believe. And so here you get the automatic reaction. Eyewitness report in early writings, pages 233 and 234. You read that section, it's absolutely fantastic. The eyewitness said, quote, the preaching of definite time called forth great opposition from all classes, from the minister in the pulpit down to the most reckless, heaven-daring sinner, end quote. And so this was there. Now, why were they so angry and therefore created great opposition? During this controversy, the Adventist preachers used, quote, the Bible and the Bible only, end quote, as, quote, their watchword, 
End quote. Great controversy, 63. You see the weapon? The weapon? The Bible and the Bible only. That was the same platform of the reformers. And how they could break away from Catholicism. And friends, in every controversy, this is key. I wish that we as a church had no controversies. But we do. And many people are confused about it. Because both sides claim the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. Yes, the Bible and the Bible only will be the answer of those controversies. Analyze all the documents and pray to the Lord for enlightenment. And so as long as we stay on that theme, Adventism will triumph. And so the focus now, because of the rejection, shifted from the, sec- from the first angel's message to the second angel's message. Because what did the second angel's message reveal? The fall of Babylon. Why? Because of the wine of the fornication. The wine of Babylon are the false heretical teachings. And so our pioneers presented the Bible to our opponents and said, show us where we are mistaken. But no answer came. No answer came. And the opposition became stronger and stronger. People were disfellowshipped. The white family were disfellowshipped from the Methodist church without having had a hearing. And so, there they were. What is the church now? Harvey thought that Catholicism was Babylon. But now they realize that Babylon is a dynamic concept. And that by a rejection of truth, we become a part of Babylon and we fall. And so here then, all the Protestant churches that rejected the Advent message became now a part of Babylon. And so that was the second angel's message. The rejection of light brought darkness to Christianity. Now here's an important principle that you have to keep in mind. Rejection of light causes darkness. Spiritual darkness entered the churches throughout the world. The rejection of the first angel's message blocked the new light of Christ's final ministry in heaven and brought a loss of spiritual discernment in interpreting the Bible. You see, if you reject light, the Holy Spirit has less access to you. Those who are involved in Bible study know that when you come to the Sabbath in your Bible study and that is not accepted, your Bible studies will not go on for a long time. People find all kinds of excuses. It is. And it's the same with us. If Adventism has some teachings and you don't like it, and they are biblical, then gradually they will disappear. And so, secondly, failure to follow the Bible and the Bible only 
led to a change in methods of prophetic interpretation of the Protestant Reformation. We are historicists. The historical view of prophecy strongly was it advocated during the Protestant Reformation. But now, when in 1840s, this principle was rejected, historicism, and the Bible and the Bible only, they had to find new ways of interpreting Daniel 8.14 to be comfortable. And so now they rejected the year day principle that led to an acceptance of the Roman Catholic Jesuit counter-reformation interpretation of futurism and preterism that removed the Pope as the prophetic antichrist in Daniel 7, 8, 11, Revelation 13, 17, 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter, and 1 John. The Pope was not anymore the Antichrist. Now, during the Reformation, of course, this has little impact because the evidence was so clear. But now, in the 1840s, with the powerful evangelistic structure of William Miller and his followers, and there were about 200 ministers that joined the Advent movement, it became more difficult. And so this is what happened. When historicism is rejected, the alternatives are futurism, preterism, and idealism that led to a prophetic confusion and darkness. And so that is what they accepted. From then on, the reapproachment between Catholicism and Protestantism started. And how close they are now today. How close they are today. And so, darkness came over the Protestant world. And Adventism continues its lonely road to promote historicism. I'm presently working on a book on the development of prophetic interpretation from the time of Christ to today. And my, 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 what, an, what a sad story. But at the same time, there is a glimmer of light because historicism triumphs in every controversy. We may be confused today about the churches. You know, we are studying the book of Revelation. The seals we are confused about. The trumpets, oh my, let me not even talk about that. And yet the evidence, if you know the facts, are so clear, so beautiful. Then the French Revolution, same thing. So all the key passages that would be a tremendous blessing to the world are now more and more covered in darkness. In fact, some books on prophecy don't even mention in their exegesis the historical facts because they cannot be trusted. How sad, how sad, how sad. But God's true people that go by the Bible only will find the light. And so we then discovered, and this afternoon I will go a little further here, light from the sanctuary. Because, you see, if you look at Daniel 8, William Miller had a special view about the little horn, the sanctuary, and the cleansing of the sanctuary. 
Now you go to all the other churches, you look at all the commentaries, and they are confused. If the little horn is not Rome, pagan, and papal, you come to a total different picture. The sanctuary, William Miller says, there are six different interpretations, but there's only one that works, he says. The earth is the sanctuary, and the church is the sanctuary. Of course, he had to revise that after the disappointment. But in the understanding of the little horn and the sanctuary, it makes all the difference. And therefore, it is absolutely crucial in your Bible studies that you enlighten the individuals that if you don't have this view, you end up in Catholicism, whether it is futurism or preterism. It's Catholicism. Because both interpretations were coming from the same mouth of the Jesuits. Now you may say, yes, but you know, you are mistaken. How can you have two different interpretations? And you are both Catholics. The response is, it doesn't matter as long as we get rid of William Miller. Is it tragic? Showing intellectual honesty. No, it shows this, what do you call it, um, dishonesty. And so here now, the sanctuary reveals Christ's last message of mercy. That was immediately discovered after 1844. And here you find a statement in Great Controversy. Uh, the quote, the subject of the sanctuary was the key which unlocks the mystery of the disappointment of 1844. Quote, it opens to the view a complete system of truth, connected and harmonious, showing that God's hand had directed the great Advent movement and revealing present duty as it brought to light the position and work of his people. Great Controversy, page 423. And you read this whole chapter. Fascinating. When I have Bible studies, I always assign homework. And one of the homeworks is to read this chapter on the sanctuary. And people are amazed. But see here, you can see here that the sanctuary shows God's providence, his hand, the duty what we have today, and the position and work of his people. So here is given the divine mission of our people. You see, we are not just another church that keeps Sabbath. There are hundreds of churches that have kept, are keeping the Sabbath today, small groups of people. But they are not connected with the remnant movement. Here it is. Here it is revealed specifically what the position is of the Adventist, and what our work is in regard to preparing the world for Jesus' coming. We're not just telling them what the Sabbath is. No. And so it continues here. <clears throat> and in this study, new light on Christ's cleansing work was revealed in the time of the end. We all know the story of Hiram Edson walking through the cornfield and had the inside there. 
of Christ's change of ministry from the holy to the most holy place. But if you have that view, where is it in the Bible? You could say, yes, 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 I was shown. Because visions are very suspicious at the time, even as today. And so what happened then, he had a border, Brother Crozier, and he had a friend in town, Dr. Hahn, medical practitioner. And so those three set it, set it out to see if they could justify Hiram's Edson from the Bible. Didn't take a short time, though it took a long time. Over a year they studied. And then finally, Edson and Hahn and Crozier, they published it. It was under the name of Crozier in the Daystar Extra. When Ellen White read, read it, she says, this is light for God's people. Study it. And not that every line, every word was inspired there, but it clarifies the whole disappointment. And as a result, they had a clear vision of what is taking place in Ellen White. Said, study this, study this. Now, the Lord could have given Ellen White all the text necessary, but he did not. And so they studied it, step by step by step. <clears throat> and so there is one section that was, uh, that is today, with many of us, controversial. But it was endorsed by Ellen White. What was the section? Let us see here what comes there. His brother Crozier, when he was a little older, the cleansing of the sanctuary in two dimensions. Now, if you get this, if you've never thought about this, it will change your life. If you don't like it, you may walk away and never return to the Adventist church. Because this view is clearly supported by Ellen Wright. And today there is a whole controversy about some of those things. I was fortunate for nearly 30 years to teach this view. I had a lot of reactions in my class. And at the end of the lecture and the ensuing lectures, people praised the Lord and said, you know, Darmstadt, I had never seen it. This is fantastic. And so let's see here. There is a perfect relationship between God's final work of grace in heaven and on earth. You know, talking about the relevance. What Christ is doing there has immediate implications for planet earth. And so here is then Crozier writing in that section, <coughs> quote, there is a literal and a spiritual temple. The literal being the sanctuary in New Jerusalem, the little city, and the spiritual, the church. The literal occupied by Jesus Christ, our king and priest. The spiritual by the Holy Ghost. Keep in mind, Jesus working in heaven and Jesus working on earth through the Holy Spirit. What is the support for Jesus' work in heaven? 
John 14, verse 2, Hebrews 8, verse 2, and 9, verse 11. What about on earth with the Holy Ghost? 1 Corinthians 3, verse 17, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, and Ephesians 2, verse 20 and 22. And this was a new concept for the Adventist. And then Crozier goes on. <clears throat> Between those two, there is a perfect con concert of action. As Christ prepares the place, the Spirit does the people. When he came to his temple, the sanctuary, to cleanse it, the Spirit commands a special cleansing of the people. Malachi 3, verse 1 through 3. This was the article, The Law of Moses, in Daystar Extra, February 7, 1846. The question is, how many have read this document? See? Now, if this is light for God's people, shouldn't we have access to it? I'm sure that in the Heritage Center here, you have a Heritage Center, right? At the end of the, at the, huh? A library there, okay. Then you go there, ask to get a copy of it, and study it. Now, you will find that it is not too easy to read, because really every sentence is in another text of the Bible. If this would be in the review today, people would send letters to the editor. It is too heavy. We need to have more stories. But friends, this is very, very important. Now, not everything in the article is divine truth. There were some errors. And that is the reason why Crozier, after several years later, left the Adventist church. But uh, it is a really, really beautiful insight. So here, then, there is a perfect relationship between God's final work in heaven and on earth. And I will specifically address the relevance on the earth, what Christ is doing through the Holy Spirit on this earth. Are you with me? As Christ prepares the place, the Spirit does the people. And so why do God's people need cleansing? Later on, we will see they must receive the seal of the living God. Okay, what is this here? Four years later, Ellen Wright had this vision about the heavenly sanctuary. He says, I saw that many do not realize what they must be in order to live in the sight of the Lord without a high priest in the sanctuaries through the time of trouble. Wow. Can we not have... Jesus with us? This is a scary thing. How will we survive? And then she goes on. Those who receive the seal of the living God are protected in the time of trouble and they must reflect the image of Jesus fully. Now that's a strong condition. Do I receive it fully? Do you receive it fully? Oh, it says it. They must. So you see, if you, if you don't read further, then you become quite uncomfortable. I said, you know, today I don't measure up to it, will I ever? And so she continues, however. I saw that none could share the refreshing, which is the letter rain, 
unless they obtain victory over every besetment, over pride, selfishness, love of the world, over every wrong word of action. Uh, that is so strong. Now, will a pride person enter into heaven? Will a person who is selfish enter into heaven? Will you, if you love the world, enter into heaven? I don't hear anything. No. <laughs> and if you have wrong habits and actions, will heaven be opened? No. So here it is really stated. You know, I will never be a part of the letter rain. And it is true, many will not be a part of it. But now here is something else. <clears throat> the solution. We should therefore be drawing nearer and nearer to the Lord. And by earnestly seeking that preparation necessary to enable us to stand in the battle of the day of the Lord. So we either can throw out all the Ellen White books and says, I can't do it. Or what is the other one? What is it? Draw? Nearer and nearer to Jesus. You see, that is the solution. If our, we realize our sinfulness, don't walk away. Go to where is the help. Jesus is the only help. And the more you draw nearer, the more you see your sinfulness. But if you see your sinfulness, does that mean then that you have to continue sinning? Don't misquote me, but we will have our carnal nature, our sinful nature, until the end. And then it will be taken away from us. But in the meantime, Jesus is the answer. We go closer and closer and closer to him. Friends, that is the key. And many have failed in this. And it is specifically if you study the light that the Lord has given in 1888 that we ourselves can do nothing. We are helpless. But if we throw ourselves at the foot of Jesus, at Calvary, and cry out, how many of us have cried out to the Lord because of our sin? Frequently say, okay, you know, you know, I made a mistake. Okay, please, Lord, forgive me my mistake, and we carry on. How many have shed tears? You know? And that's what Ellen White herself has done. James White has done. And if we want to have the kingdom, we, when we analyze ourselves, we have to cry out to the Lord. And we are fed up with ourselves. The Lord, every time when we give this up, it comes back. Protect me. Help me. There is help. This is early writings, page 71. And so the conclusion then is <clears throat> there is a need of God's people. Total victory over sin. In the book of Revelation, he who overcomes. Not he who fails. He fails. No, overcomes. And overcomes is victory, right? Oh yeah, you may have many, many failures. But ultimately, through Christ, there is power. There, we, have to know, we know that song, there is power in the blood. You see, there is power. And so how it is here? How to accomplish this? By drawing nearer and nearer to the Lord, to Jesus.
And that is the good message, if you realize it. And realize it in the context of the faith of Jesus, what God has revealed to us. I have a whole lecture on that one, the faith of Jesus that the Lord showed us in 1888 and beyond. And have we really accepted that message? Oh yeah, we believe in righteousness by faith. We believe in justification by faith. Really? Do we? You see? Do we in the context of the sanctuary? Oh yes, yes. We have to go to the reformers. They had the right right. Oh yes, they had tremendous insight. Praise the Lord, I've learned much. But there was one thing that the reformers didn't have. And that is those concepts which are beautiful. What we need in the context of the heavenly sanctuary. See? We have had more light. And therefore the experience of righteousness by faith, justification, sanctification, perfection, should be more precious. And we don't need to be afraid. And so this was what we had missed in Glacier View at all. Light from Christ and the typical Day of Atonement sanctuary ministry. What is the light that the Lord gave us after 1844? What does it reveal about the end of Christ's priesthood? Those are things that you only discover when you study the sanctuary. And therefore, the sanctuary ministry is, you know, Ellen said, it gave a total new view of a complete system of truth that the Adventists have. And you know, it is important to keep it in mind because don't just take people through the 28 lessons for Bible study doesn't give you the picture of the sanctuary. Yes, one lesson deals with the sanctuary. One lesson deals with the remnant and the three angels' messages. But put all those teachings under the umbrella of the sanctuary is something different. Because every doctrine then you bring to Christ. And Christ becomes the center of every doctrine. Ellen White talks about we, there's more light to be revealed in the truth as it is in Jesus. Here's your assignment. You go to the ABC, buy a whole set of Bible studies, and see if every teaching presents Christ as the center. In fact, every one of our 28 fundamentals doesn't start with Christ. In fact, there is here one of your uh, members here, that is uh, Dr. Norman Gully. He showed me once a, doc, a, a document, uh, you know, in which he explains every teaching in the light of the truth that is in Jesus. But that is not what, what it presently all our teachings are. And so if you want to present the truth as, as it is in Jesus, you have to do this. Oh, he says, you know, it's too bad I'm not a theologian. I didn't go to the seminary. Don't go to the seminary. You don't need it. On your knees. Now, I don't try to discourage anybody. This is a good place. You know, especially in the winter, you get snow and lots of snow, whatever. Open heart 
hearth fire, you know, nice warm things. I'm glad that I'm in Tennessee, by the way. <laughs> but you know, here, so here is work for us to do. The truth as is in Jesus. And so what does it all mean here? His high priestly ministry ends up just before the second advent. When his mediation is finished, the time of trouble begins. We just summarized this. How are God's people now involved at this stage of the action? Only the seal of the living God protect them at that time. And then the question is then, victory over all temptation leads to sharing the latter rain. You see, what happens at 1844 is a direct trajectory to the final crisis. God will reveal truth and it will be truth. And the more of those truths we have, will have. The more light we have, and then we are ready for the latter rain. So you can see here how practical all those things are. How can this be achieved? By drawing closer to Jesus. Conclusion. God's people must prepare for the time when Christ has completed his mediation work as high priest. And when Christ has finished cleansing the sanctuary, which is the blotting out of sin, his people will reflect the image of Jesus fully. Isn't it beautiful? And so we have to cooperate with as Christ cleanses the heavenly sanctuary, are we now allowed the Holy Spirit to cleanse our lives? And so, how does the Holy Spirit do this? Through a restoration of all truth among God's people. Because the more truth we have received, the purer our lives become. It's a cleansing of our lives. Where Advent is ready for Jesus' return in 1844? Where are we? Those that read the Great Controversy will clearly see what it is. What was their condition? Oh, yes, they many loved the Lord dearly. They had sacrificed everything they knew needed to be done. There were not people that say, okay, consciously sinning and sinning and sinning. No, they were on the outside. They had done everything possible. But were they ready to meet the life of their Lord? There's a little difference in theology. If you die today, if you live up to all the light, or being ready and alive when the Lord becomes, the Lord comes. Here in Great Conduit, it says, they were not ready to meet the Lord. Now, why were they not ready? Were they sinning? Yes but not conscious. There were a number of unknown sins in their lives. Were they Sabbath keepers? No. Is breaking the Sabbath a sin? Yes. But if you don't know it, it's not being accounted for. And so, they're smokers, they were drinkers, pork, all kind of unclaimed meat that the Bible condemned, they were eating that. But they didn't know. So when 
You meet the Lord when you are alive. The Lord doesn't want to have those things in existence. And so then he is giving us light to overcome those things. Are you with me? See, that is a very, very important thing. There were one of the great evangelists, Charles Fitch. You know, he died just before 1844, before October and whatever. And yet later on, Ellen White, in a vision, sees him in heaven. You know, and they want to know how the, how the, the, the final events were. And they couldn't even remember them because the glories were so great. But he was there in Brother Stockman also because they had lived up to the light and they died. But the living were not ready. And so that is important to keep in mind. Why not? Malachi 3, verse 1, 2, 3. If you turn in your Bibles, if you have your Bibles with you, You know, sometimes when people go to the lectures, they, they think, oh, you know, we just listen and there is no Bible. But this is a Sabbath school, so to say. Okay, Malachi chapters 3, verse 1, 2 and 3. This is crucial because this reveals the situation in the last days. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the, word, the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And that was absolutely a great surprise in 1844. Suddenly, and they didn't even realize it. Even the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord. But, here it is, are you ready? But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? This is for the living when the Lord appears. For he is like a refiner's fire, and like a laundress's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purify of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi, which are God's people, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Okay, you know, we have a pastor, we have, we have heard all those things and whatever, and we try to prepare and cleanse our lives. Who is the cleansing agency here? Jesus. Jesus will cleanse us if you're committed. See the point? Is this clear? He will cleanse us. And if you have sin problems, call upon him. And the Holy Spirit will do this. And so in Malachi 3 verse 1, the Lord will suddenly come to his temple and purify his people so that they can stand in the judgment. Remember Psalm 1? Who will stand in the judgment? And who will be the chaff that is blown away? Are you preparing to stand, is the question. Those who are living, there's a from great controversy, page 224 and 225, quote, those who are living upon earth, when the intercession of Christ shall cease in the sanctuary above, are to stand in the sight of the holy God without a mediator. And we have seen what to do now. We have to go to the mediator. How will they survive? Quote, 
through the grace of God and their own diligent effort, they must be conquerors in the battle with evil. Great Controversy 4.25. It is not, hey, God does it all. There is a cooperation. We are co-workers with God. And God will do everything. And you do everything that is possible in your strength. Here it is. And this is against many of the Protestant views. That yes, we can do anything, but Jesus, Jesus will, and they are in a kind of a waiting stage. No, friends. Those who agonize is a little part of it. And so pray, pray, pray. <clears throat> what are the conditions before the second advent takes place? Here is a sermon by Peter, Acts 3, verse 19 to 21. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that he may send Jesus Christ, whom heaven must receive until the time of the restoration of all things. This is a text that was very, very vital in the minds of the early pioneers. Jesus will not return until the times of the restoration of all things. What needs to be restored? Remember, they were not Sabbath keepers. They were not health reformers. They didn't wash the food. Some baptized by immersion. Some, all of those things needed to be corrected. If this is God's remnant. Remnant the pure gospel teaching from right from the New Testament. Conclusion. The second advent takes place when all truth is restored and practiced among God's remnant people. It is not only knowing the Sabbath. I know I can explain it back and forth. But do you keep it holy? And that is one of the greatest needs in our church. Because we seem to do many, many things that we didn't have time for during the week. Except buying and selling. Are we then the demonstration of God's people? Then, if that takes place, they are cleansed from all worldliness and Babylonian teachings and influences. See? So from now on, from 1844, the Holy Spirit is done teaching us the cleansing agencies so that we reveal more and more Jesus. Are you with me? You see? So sometimes people say, oh, yeah, you know, we have 28. You know, many other churches have not many. We don't need it. And then when people are baptized, we have only 13 of them of the 28 and whatever, to get quicker and, and, and some want even to, to get it shorter. Friends, each one of the teachings, I wrote once an article and uh, it says, you know, doctrines, so what? And in it is showed that every doctrine has an impact 
on our lives, on our lifestyle. And if that is missing, our lives is not as pure as before. Interesting, isn't it? So it is not just simply getting through as quickly as possible. No, they have a special role to cleanse us. And that's what I'm going to show now. <coughs> what are the conditions for the second advent? What will be the final result? They will be sealed with the seal of the living God that enables them to stand in the day of the Lord. They will stand. And there is nothing anymore against it because all of our sins have been blotted out because we have confessed them and Christ has taken care of us. So the judgment is not anymore a fearful experience unless you have not made a total surrender. Now, I have here two sections. One is the restored truth, truth that were once a part of God's people, but they are completely neglected or disappeared. And then another one is about the new truth. And this is all the work of the Holy Spirit as Christ cleanses the heavenly sanctuary, so the Holy Spirit cleanses the church of all heresy. And in the present controversy that we have in our church, all heresy should disappear. You believe that? But you have to be patient. And some have given up. Don't give up. First of all, the restoration of the spirit of prophecy in the church. Immediately, only a few months after the disappointment, that was manifested. Then Christ ministers in the real sanctuary in heaven. Yes, the early church believed in a real sanctuary. There are some of the rabbinical statements where they say a holy and a most holy place. They believe in a real edifice. Today, ask your brothers and friends. Oh, he said, you know, he is mediating. In what? In a sanctuary? No, 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 no. The whole heaven is a sanctuary and all kind of things. And even some of our own people believe that. No, a real sanctuary in the book of Hebrews, the Hagia is a real sanctuary of holy places, plural. The seven-day Sabbath is the biblical day of worship and light on how to keep it holy. Both of them the Lord has revealed, and both of them we have to share. What truth have been restored among the remnants since 1844? There is no immortal soul. Death is asleep. And there were groups of Christians and churches that believed this. But now if we are the remnant, should all those precious truths in all the other churches not be a part of us? See, when you had the pioneers together, sitting in a circle, studying it, says, okay, you believe this? Let's see it in the Bible. And so they eliminated everything that was not biblical, and accepted things that were biblical. This was a true ecumenical spirit. Today you don't have that. You know, all those churches are gathered around one statement. Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. And it's all they can agree on. But don't be specific. I studied during my doctoral study, and I studied ecumenical studies in the University of Geneva. I shared the Sabbath. And they liked me, but that is what I didn't like. 
That is dumb stuff. You keep it for yourself. We are all under the umbrella of Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. And if you believe the Sabbath, do it. But don't tell it to us. We do something else. And so therefore you can get over, over 300 churches together under the umbrella because you have this short statement of Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. And so when they told me not to share those, I prayed to the Lord. And at the end of that session, with all the doctoral students, I prayed to the Lord. And it was in three different languages. It was in French, German, and English. And I got with those that I felt are open to it. I got a great controversy in German, French, and English. And then we said, goodbye to each other, I give them each one as a present, a great controversy. So that at least they got the whole message in one book. I don't know what happened to it, but uh, I hope that something good came out of it. So then the wicked will be destroyed, annihilationism. Christ reigns with the righteous in heaven for a thousand years. This period is separated, the resurrection of the righteous and the wicked. So all those things used to be a part of some churches, but they became a part of the remnant. Baptism by immersion. We got it from the Baptists. And William Miller was a faithful Baptist. Foot washing. Here it is. The Mennonites and the Amish and the Anabaptists, they have all those things. And the Catholic Church has it even. Once a year, the Pope goes down into Rome and selects a few persons and wash the feet. Because he was Jesus. He's just Jesus on earth, right? So he can do that. But we do it with each other. Then another truth has been restored. Obedience to God's moral and natural laws, which are the health laws. Temperance, abstinence from health-destroying practices. Practices simplicity, moderation, and regularity in eating, drinking, working, sleeping, etc. All of those were revealed by the Holy Spirit over years, not all at the same time. Because in the 1850s, you know, there were some people who were quite advanced and they said, you know, we shouldn't eat any more pork. Ellen I says, no, 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 don't say that yet. If the Holy Spirit impresses, then we can do this. And it was four years later that that was revealed in due time. Abstinence of harmful substances such as alcohol, tobacco, coffee, tea, flesh foods, drugs. All of this came through the work of the Holy Spirit. What truth have been restored among the remnant? Tithe and offerings. The New Testament lifestyle of simplicity without adornment. And actually, during the Reformation, you had a number of, of churches that spoke against adornment because the Catholics allowed adornment. And so here, simplicity in dress and appearance. No jewelry or colorful cosmetics. Have you ever heard a sermon on those things? I haven't. 
But you know, those are all the things. And if you don't repeat it, if it is not proclaimed or taught, then you get it back. You get it back. But remember, you see, the Holy Spirit impresses us what the cleansing means, what the teaching means. Are we now purer today in our church than the pioneers who have received this? Are we? See? We should be more like that. Now the new truths that were discovered since 1844, Christ our high priest began the, his judgment to cleanse the heavenly sanctuary of confessed sins of his people. That's a new insight that none of the Protestant churches know. The Holy Spirit had begun to purify Christ's church on earth. And the Seventh-day Adventist Church should be a demonstration of it. The second phase, final judgment since 1844, God's judgment, investigative judgment over the righteous and then the wicked. New truth again, the three angels' messages, present truth for the end of time, revealing the gift of Christ's righteousness to the helpless human agent. Remember, friends, we are helpless. And if the sooner we realize this, the quicker we can be covered with Christ's righteousness. There's nothing boasting upon us. The Sabbath is a test for God's people since 1844. Now, why is it a test before and not after? Why is it a test after but not before? Because of the new light of the Sabbath. When I give Bible studies and say, only you know, Christ did it and the apostles did it, it will not have the impact as when I reveal it in Daniel or Revelation as the seal of God and the mark of the beast. And then people are shaking and they said, you know, I have to take a step. Even if my family doesn't agree with this, I want to have the seal of God and not the mark of the beast. See, all of those things here. The sealing message prepares for the seal of the living God. Oh, are we not all sealed with the Holy Spirit all the time? Oh, in the early church, yes, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. But according to the context of the reading, the seal of the living God in Revelation 7 is different from the sealing when you accept Jesus Christ. It's an angel that gives it. And the destroying angels... We'll see that. Friends, keep in mind, all this is new insight. The United States leads out in the final conflict and is the leader in the ecumenical movement. The SDA church is the remnant church of prophecy. And we can be thankful that we are belonging to the remnant. Nothing to be proud of, but be thankful to the Lord. And then the unique lifestyle during the, uh, the typical Day of Atonement. We are different. What happened to the, end of, to the typical Day of Atonement? What did they have to do? Take off all the ornaments. And now since 1844, we are living in that time. What will it take to put back all the ornaments? 
It takes simply a not an understanding of Christ's ministry in the heavenly sanctuary. A misunderstanding of Christ's work through the Holy Spirit. So you can see here how important it is to understand those truths in the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. Health reform is a vital part of the present truth. Yes, health reform was practiced among some Christians, but not a vital part of present truth. And why is it so important? During the time of trouble, the pressure will be so powerful that unless every sinew, every neuron in your mind is in harmony with God, you will not be able to stand it. See? It's very, very important. Because the Holy Spirit works and works through my thumb, my nose, but through the frontal lobe. And the quality of your blood is determined by what you take in. So therefore, those things are important. And we have a loving God who wants us to be saved. Isn't it marvelous that the Lord has given us all that information? To cleanse us? Christ's holistic ministry is the remnant model. Christ preached, taught, and healed. And those three things should be combined in every church. Yet the healing ministry has been grossly neglected and only assigned to physicians or nurses. No, friends. It's a holistic picture. And actually, Christ more was teaching more than preaching. What does it mean? That we have to give more and more Bible studies. Bible studies. Teach people, not preach them. Let the pastor preach it. And then we take over his work. Because he doesn't have the monopoly on it. The, lay, the faith of Jesus is the key to victory over sin. And that has also been very, very much neglected. It is not so much, my faith is important, but ultimately what is unmovable is what? The faith of Jesus. And that is my hope. And that is, I built upon. And Christ's final invitation calls to prepare for the latter rain and the loud cry, Revelation 18. So all those things the Holy Spirit has impressed us with. And we can be thankful for this. And so now, are you preparing for the latter rain? Power to finish the mission. Oh, we say, you know, it's impossible. Look at the statistics. You know, the world becomes bigger and bigger and bigger, more and more prolific. People, we can never do this. But against that pessimistic outlook is the latter rain experience. Yeah. I can't explain all the statistics. But I know that when the latter rain comes, it will be ten times more powerful, Ellen White says, than in 1844. And that shook the world. So the good times are before us. The latter rain will give light and power to finish the gospel mission. What does Zechariah 10 verse 1 tell us? 
turn to Zechariah. Chapter 10, verse 1. Ask the Lord for rain in the time of letter rain. And the Lord will make flashing clouds. He give him showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. Remember, this is a worldwide message. For everyone. What a blessing. Deuteronomy 11, verse 13. And it shall be. You hear the condition? If you earnestly obey my commands, which I commanded you today, to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your souls, no more idols in your life, then I will give you rain for your land in season, early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather your grains for new wine and oil. And I will send you grass in your fields for your livestock, that you may eat and be filled. Take heed to yourself, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them, lest the anger of the Lord be aroused against you. And shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain, and the land yield no produce. And you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. See, all the blessings, and for us it is especially the material and spiritual blessings. And then we get to John, uh, to Revelation chapter 18. And what do we see here? And after these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated, illuminated with his glory. See, this is a worldwide experience. A worldwide experience. And I would like to be a part of it. What do you say? And so the letter ain't defined. A special outpouring of the Holy Spirit to prepare the church for Christ's return. But, quote, near the close of earth harvest, a special bestowal of spiritual, spiritual grace is promised to prepare the church for the coming of the Son of Man. This output of the Spirit is likened to the falling of the latter rain, Acts of the Apostles, page 55. The message will go to all the world, quote, when do Babylon's sin reach unto heaven? When the law of God is finally made void by legislation, then the extremity of God's people is his opportunity to show who is the governor of heaven and earth. As Satan's power, satanic power, is stirring the elements from beneath, God will send light and power to his people that the message of truth may be proclaimed to all the world. See, this is the assurance. It will be all the world. Maranatha, page 174. It prepares then for the time of trouble. It is the latter rain which revives and strengthens God's people to pass through the time of trouble. Review, May 27, 1862. See, we don't need to be afraid. If we meet the condition, if we have given up all, everything in our lives, then God will strengthen us. It prepares people for translation. 
Quote, those who come up to every point and stand every text and overcome, be the price what it may, have heeded the counsel of the true witness, and they will receive the letter rain and thus be filled, fitted for translation. Testimonies, volume 1, 187. Is it tremendous? See? They will receive the letter rain. Are you now preparing for this time? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to cleanse us in harmony with Jesus' work? Be a part of the letter rain revival. The third angel's message is swelling into a loud cry. And you must not feel it a liberty to neglect the present duty and still entertain the idea that at some future time, you will be the recipients of great blessings when without any effort on your part, a wonderful revival will take place. Friends, it cannot be a dream. It has been a reality when you and Jesus work together. Today, you are to have your vessels purified that it may be ready for the heavenly dew, ready for the showers of the latter rain, for the latter rain will come and the blessings of God will fit every soul that is purified from some defilements, from every defilement. It is our work today to yield our souls to Christ, that we may be fitted for the time of refreshing from the presence of the Lord, fitted for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Evangelism 701. And so, friends, how does the fact that Christ is finishing his ministry in the great antitypical day of atonement influence your life? The counsel is, now is the time to make a surrender. Now is the time I say to let me just reflect upon all those things, so let's go to audio verse and lyrical. No, now is the time. There is no better time than now. You believe that? So in answer with your answer, I would like to ask those who want to make this decision now to ask the Lord through the Holy Spirit to cleanse you from every defilement. If that is your choice, I would invite you to stand. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for being such a merciful, loving Father, to reveal the inner working of the plan of salvation and to show where you and I can work together in cooperation. Father, may we not disappoint our Savior that when, we, when he is finishing this marvelous work in the heavenly sanctuary and the Holy Spirit tries to do his best to purify the church, may it be that we will not be left behind, but we be a part of it and glorify in what you do. We are helpless, but there is a power in the blood. Power in the blood. And thank you so much, Father, for having brought those who came here to a marvelous decision and made this decision be renewed day by day and may Satan never get hold of us anymore. No matter how powerful his working is, we will overcome with Jesus. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse. 
a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.